Hi, I'm Miriam Burke. And I'm Eving McBride. And welcome to A Little Birdie Told Me, a podcast brought to you by rollercoaster.ie. Every week, we'll be bringing you insights, advice, and our own personal experiences, along with some great guests to help you, our listeners, navigate the ups and downs of pregnancy and parenting. A quick warning, this episode contains discussions surrounding mental health and postnatal depression, which some listeners might find upsetting. In this episode, we speak to Peachyline founder Sharon Keegan about how she overcame her struggle with postnatal depression following the birth of her first son. So Peachyline is a supportwear company for women. And, um, you know, we initially design shapewear, athleisure wear. Um, but, you know, we're on a journey really to support women emotionally and physically. Um, our tagline is supporting the everyday everybody because we want every woman to feel included. I and I'm very, very passionate about that because I was that woman that was felt or maybe still does feel a little bit left out when you know, it comes to marketing and who is marketing to me. Um, because, you know, I don't have six pack abs. I'm not a lean size, you know, six. And, you know, aesthetically, I'm not as pleasing as maybe some of the models that they use in everyday mainstream media. So I feel that needs to change. And we want to be a voice around that and a, and a platform for them women. And, you know, if you, if you can't see it, you can't be it. So, you know, we're, we want to show that in, in, in some of our messaging and our our um, photography that we use. So well, it's definitely worked um, uh, on my friends group because we have a WhatsApp uh, group and as everyone does. And uh, one of our jokes is that we just like talk about leggings at least once a month um, because we do. And someone's always just looking for a new recommendation and. Your and Peachy Lean comes up every single time for the you know the next person who's looking for their new pair of leggings, and everyone in my group is different, looks different, different shape, like different needs for um you know their at, at the leisure, and um yeah it like big fans amazing That's so good to hear. Group. everyone needs a good premium pair of high waisted you know full of spandex <laughs> you know yeah. high premium nylon spandex legging and it look you can wear them from night to day you know being a busy mother um you can go for the gym and you can still wear them shopping or off grab your coffee have your you know cup of tea <laughs> let's be honest we never get to have a coffee or a cup of tea <laughs> with our mates but if you do um you can still wear them and then i've often thrown you know a, a dress <clears throat> over my leggings because they just hold me in mm -hmm. in in certain places and we all know about them certain places especially after have, we have kids and mm -hmm. um, but I suppose when you were coming up with the idea for Peachy Lean um, it was probably born out of obviously that all the reasons you've spoken about but there was also something else behind it which was you were you just had your first baby um, and you weren't working at the time. So do you want to tell us a little bit about how you kind of started the business in relation to that? Yeah, so I had been running a business previously to Peachy Lean for eight years and I had the best time ever running that business. But I fell pregnant at 33, found out at the electric picnic, believe it or not. And um, instantly felt a bit anxious because I'd been running this prime minister business um, the business there was a there was a particular issue with the sterling rise in 2015 and we we had talks about pulling the business from Ireland and um, so importing from the UK was actually really really difficult at, at that time so I think within like two or three weeks we had to pull the business and like I had 16 of my friends working there and like you know part-time some full-time and um we were doing all the festivals and we were in all the stores all around Ireland and it was great. But yeah, look, I was 
you know, we had to pull the business. So I felt like a complete or a failure. I felt like, oh, you know, I felt like everyone was angry at me. I disappointed people. And, you know, as I was saying to you earlier on, like I the two guys, the founders who I'm still very, very good friends with to this to this day. Um, were so supportive but you know I felt like there was a bit of shame having to tell them like I, you know I'm pregnant like mm. and I felt like this is the end for me you know I, I really genuinely felt that even though look there's nothing I could have done you know there's absolutely nothing I could have done and they would have supported me anyway mm. I know that now but I just did feel that way maybe that's a kind of bias or something that I had instilled in me but it's I don't know up. I think pregnancy is an inconvenience mm. for an employer like whether they say it is or it's you know they yeah. say it or not like it is yeah. and, and when you're going to be out of work for a period of time like that is an inconvenience to people massively and it's it's huge reason why we have like you know this kind of you know what 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 we call this deficiency or not deficiency disparity disparity in women in you know higher positions and ceos and um you know even women running businesses because when we have children we are expected to take on you know 70% 70% of, of the responsibilities that go with having children. So yeah. we write about it a lot, actually, and talk about it a lot on rollercoaster.ie because it's such a huge issue that women now are expected to have the full time job and also take care of the kids, um, I- even if that means being the one to arrange the childcare and then also do the domestic things. And, you know, there's a meme that goes around a lot that's like the 40 hour work week was not designed for the modern structure of a, of the you know traditional family anyway and it's so true like you can't you just can't do it all and that is why there's so much pressure like to feel that um like you're letting people down if you're pregnant even though like we're the ones who are keeping the world you know going populated. but it's like yeah. that the having it all like paradox do you know what i mean yeah. it's like we're supposed to be great moms and great partners and great friends and great, and great daughters job. and great at your job and look good and you know whatever else and like nothing like there's nothing in the world unless you have limited unlimited resources mm-hmm. and unlimited money cash yeah. Yeah, um, cash. you cash. know and by resources I mean staff <laughs> <laughs> the holy grail staff yeah. um, you know like there's no way to be able to do it all and kind of still be able to kind of have these things to be like I have achieved X, Y, and Z. You know what I mean? Like something is gonna, something's gonna give. And people need give. to be honest about having help as well. Like, because, you know, funny story this morning, like walking out the door, my other half is incredible. Now, he really is brilliant with the kids and he's very, very good in the house and he's an amazing cook and everything else. But he <laughs> said to me, I was walking out of the house, uh, I don't want to swear, but he said the something washing is everywhere, right? And I was like, but I can't, I can't do it all. Like, if you want to hire somebody to come in and do that now for me, you can do that because mm. I just cannot do everything, do you know? Just can't. It's I just asked my husband <coughs> for my Mother's Day present to be a cleaner, to come in and do a deep clean. For him to do the deep clean or to pay no, someone to, to come pay in? someone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, I ask uh, my husband to do the dishes sometimes and he does them voluntarily sometimes and because we don't have a dishwasher. I was like, you need to get a dishwasher, We're the, o- we're the, only, <laughs> house- the only household in Ireland who still doesn't have one, we rent. Um, <laughs> and God, like, he tries, but they're just not clean. So, um, yeah, that's awful. Sorry, that's a total aside. But yeah, that was my Mother's Day present 
that's a great idea actually yeah Yeah. (laughs) but look we can't do it all and and there is like there is jobs that I just don't like doing I don't like cleaning like I I like when the house is clean I like when the house is clean keeping the house clean like and tidy and everything else and I like doing maybe a deep clean if the kids aren't around if Sean has brought them off for um for a day or whatever and uh, I will do a deep clean and that's very very therapeutic Mm -hmm. but I don't like cleaning every day I don't I just don't like doing that <laughs> because I there's so much more I like doing do you know yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Well, you don't want to waste your time scrubbing a floor or even sweeping a floor <laughs> so you had your baby um and I suppose things possibly weren't what you thought they were going to be can you tell us a little bit about that yeah so look I had Liam um so I took some time off obviously after the prime minister and I had Liam this is my first baby. Um, and then what happened was I just assumed um, that every mother felt the way I felt when they had a child. And I had already, you know, po- possibly like this ego or whatever, who was like this business person. And then all of a sudden I was a mom at home mm. and I just felt so disconnected from that. So I was a, a bit underwhelmed, to be honest, I was a little bit sad mm-hmm. all the time, crying all the time. And I just thought everyone always tells you, oh, it's the baby blues. Baby blues. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you'll be fine. Like, it's yeah. a bit, you'll start to feel it's better. Hormones, so go have a sleep. Drill. Go have a sleep. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> go have a sleep. Speaks. Are you serious? Like all the stuff I have to do. Yeah. Go yeah. have a sleep. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I got diagnosed uh, with postnatal depression nine months after I had Liam. And, and nine uh, months is a very, yeah. very, very long time yeah. to be, yeah. I suppose, not secretly struggling, but struggling and not getting the support that you needed. Yeah, and, and, and not knowing. A tiny baby. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't know. I really didn't know. I thought everybody, because how could you know? Yeah. Like, you don't, you don't know what it's even like to, you know, you had this baby and you're just like, oh my God, like what's after happening to my life? The life I knew before. And then all of a sudden, and it's like you're grieving a little bit if you're like, old self yeah you know yeah yeah so anyway uh diagnosed nine months in and um you know my doctor actually was very good he he did notice a lot you know i suppose he he noticed a few times you know times that i wasn't feeling right and he you know he just said like you're not yourself so he kept you know saying do you want the the pills do you want the pills i was like no i don't want the pills i just don't want the pills so Mm. was that because sharon you felt like you didn't want the label of I am a depressed person and I'm taking medication or is it that you found or you felt nearly like I can fight this myself I don't need them yeah I think I have an issue with control if I'm really Mm. honest and I didn't want um I didn't I didn't want someone telling me take this pill I was like no I can do this you know and maybe it's a huge thing of self-awareness in myself like I realize I have a control issue Mm -hmm. you know but um, I wanted to control how I mm. felt and I could control it. And the truth is I possibly couldn't at that time because I wasn't well. And um, I do think as well when you're having, when you're at that very early stage with a newborn baby, like control is a massive issue. And I think I that's something I struggled with as well. You want to feel like you can do it all, which is again, completely ridiculous. But you're trying to even control small things. Yeah. And like, you know, day to day trying to control small things just to make yourself feel a bit more normal. Yeah. This whole like a facade of like, I've got it, I've, mm. I'm, I'm OK. Like, mm. you know, the baby's perfect in the pram, you're dressed, your makeup's on, you're going just to go to the shops, like, you know, <laughs> and know. you're like, the, the house is spotless because that's nearly an anxiety as well. Like, even though I say I don't like cleaning, like when I had the baby, for some reason, I was like, you know, everything had to be spotless. Getting up at five in the morning to really? clean floors, like crazy stuff. And I don't like I don't want to say the word crazy because oh, yeah. it's very insensitive. 
if a woman is going through this right now, just know this, that, you know, if you're feeling anxious or if there's something that's over, like overwhelming you to the point of tears, it needs to be looked at. Yeah. Seriously, yeah. Because you're right, like some, some of what you were saying was ringing bells, but it was definitely not to the kind of level that you're describing there. You know, for me, I was, I felt that total, um, I find it really hard to grapple with that new part of myself that was mother while still, you know, having this overwhelming love that I'd never experienced. Um, and I was I, I felt lucky to be able to feel that because I actually expected to get postnatal depression. Mm-hmm. I kind of thought I just would. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that the baby blues were were a normal thing and I did feel that. But I just kind of I was expecting to feel worse and worse. And luckily for me, I I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like I really, really feel for for people who do, um, especially because it's not you, you don't automatically get it if you've been depressed before either. You know, some some people the history of depression don't get postnatal depression and then people who do get postnatal depression, some like have never felt that way before. And it must be very it must be very jarring. Mm. I know yeah. I was my mom had very bad postnatal depression with my brother who was her third child mm-hmm. her third and last child um, and I remember as a child like my poor mom actually being in bed like she couldn't get up and we had like our family and friends and everything and my dad kind of rallying around kind of keeping the show on the road um, and she had to go on medication and thankfully she was able to overcome it in a couple of months but it was debilitating and I yeah. was very fearful of that mm-hmm. when I was pregnant and having yeah. my first baby um, and thankfully I didn't suffer from postnatal depression. Um, but I think this control um, element that you're talking about, like I definitely, my way to not feel depressed and to kind of overcome, I suppose, any sort of baby blues, quote unquote, was to control everything. And it was the kind of keeping the house clean, yeah. keeping, you know, um, keeping myself, getting up, getting dressed every day, like going for a walk like I put a, I think in hindsight put a lot of pressure on myself to keep the show on the road and yeah. at the time I didn't even feel like I was doing it and mm-hmm. um, and I noticed it so much more when I had my second baby that I felt such a lack of control with everything and it was post-covid as well so I just felt like I was kind of hopeless going into the whole thing anyway <laughs> um but it was that thing of trying to like control my toddler control the baby and I have to say one of the biggest things for me around that whole thing was breastfeeding because I felt completely out of control with breastfeeding and I actually couldn't manage to do longer than very much longer than six weeks I don't even think I made it to the full seven weeks with my second because for me it was just going on to I was trying to pump at one stage and that was just a whole other kind of added element um but for me going on to giving up breastfeeding and going on to formula it was something I could regulate and it was a control and you know there's so many different reasons why women switch from breast milk to formula but for me that was the control element was a massive part of it but isn't there a part when you when you decide to do that that you you can't give up the breastfeeding just for a few like there's a a process there's a guilt definitely I had a shame and a guilt around that as Mm, well and there's no pressure for women to breastfeed whether it's formula or breast like I know they say breast is best but whatever you can do to keep that child alive is what you do yeah you know but there is a pressure um Mm -hmm. There's a huge conversation about breastfeeding at the moment because it is encouraged. Mm -hmm. But then again, people are in hospital and it's not working for them and they're not getting the support because the midwives are too um, busy and they're not all 
actually very few of them are trained in lactation issues. Um, so like there is this huge uh shame when you can't do it and there's a stigma there's a stigma when you do and a stigma when you don't and it's a big factor i think for the mother um feeling again anxious out Mm -hmm. of control yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and there's nothing like a screaming child like we all know this because we've all had very young children right when your child screams or cries you you have an even actual chemical reaction in your body Mm like you're stressed you know and um you you of course are anxious but when your child is screaming all day long for milk and you can't give that child what it needs can you imagine the level of anxiety and stress that that the woman is under not only like to mention the fact that she's just pushed a baby out of her vagina do you know what i mean like and she's suffering her body's suffering Mm. she's in you know, a state of shock and trauma. We don't talk about the shock or trauma after you have a child either. If you've had a really bad labour or a bad um, delivery, no one gives that woman time to even process the trauma of what's just happened to her body. And there's a lot of that that goes on as well. And look, I had a great birth. I, and, I, and, you know, I'm very, very grateful uh, for my birth. But, you know, the trauma of, I think for me, there was a trauma in my life being over or I, you know I couldn't sleep my child actually I didn't really realize at the time with Liam because it was my first baby he had uh, reflux but I just thought he was just a bad you know not a bad child tip one sorry <laughs> Liam you're gorgeous and I love you but he was just you know and a bad sleeper a, yeah. he's, he's just a bad sleeper and he, he he's, he's a hungry boy that's what everyone kept telling me but on Bob the second child because it was the second baby I was aware that this wasn't correct because I'd looked at other women and their babies who just have a bottle and be, you know, winded and then they would just sit and, and be quiet. My child wouldn't do that. My child was constantly screaming, constantly in my arms, had to be moving all the time. And it was only when I actually lo- was looking for a respite and this lady, um, Mary, who was looking to, you know, to help with minding kids. And she said to me, do you want me, him, me to take him for a couple of hours to give you some respite mm-hmm. because I was having such a tough time? And she said to me, she rang me like a half an hour in and she was like, Sharon, your child is sick. There's something wrong with the baby. This is not normal. And I felt so like ashamed that I didn't know that my child was sick. And I remember bringing the child home that day, Bobby, his name is. And um, Liam was like two or three and he coming up to three and I had the two of them. And I remember just thinking, I need help. I need help. Like I was freaking out. So I walked to uh, Crumlin Hospital that day and uh, walked into the reception and broke down. Like I absolutely broke down, asked the receptionist to get me someone to help me. I didn't know what I was going to do. Like, and I'm, I get emotional even saying it because I just remember the trauma of it. And thank God I did. Like I'm right. I live right beside the hospital because some women snap, you know, the brain goes and you snap and we hear of the horrific situations that happen. And thank, thank God I, that didn't happen for me and my children. But I was not well that day and they took my baby into the hospital for a week and I think they took me in for a week at the same time because I remember the gorgeous nurse taking the child off me and he was very sick at the time and they put me into a bed in the A&E in the children's hospital like this <laughs> tiny little bed where my, my legs were hanging off the side but I slept for two hours I was that exhausted you were just exhausted exhausted yeah. but like that's why sleep deprivation is a form of torture yeah. you know like it, it you don't you can't underestimate how damaging a lack of sleep is. And it just, it totally shifts your perspective. It throws your like ability to kind of like 
I suppose cope with things yeah. um completely your personality off. changes yeah that's what, <laughs> that's what we tell ourselves right? yeah. you're like, you're, I'm sure when husbands when will say that yeah, yeah. <laughs> well like when you're extra, you're extra cranky you're extra snapping you know it's just and then like when I'm when I'm feeling like that and I'm just in bad form and bad humour and I'm lashing out left right and centre and then you know once you get that precious two hours even two hours and you you feel so revived I always feel kind of like guilty about how I behaved even though it, you know it's not my fault I know it's my baby's I actually, fault <laughs> like funny story um last weekend I was bringing the two kids for a walk and we we're going to the park whatever and this is the other thing it's like I was like I'm being a great mum now I'm bringing them in the double buggy where they like absolutely are about to box the head off each other <laughs> but we'll ignore that and we're like walking to the park and it's all lovely and we're going to go on the swings and I'm going to get myself a coffee and I'll get Isabel a little baby chino and she can have marshmallows you know all the like the stuff you the do nice to like things. try and make the yourself feel like you're living things. a nice yeah. life yeah um anyway so like they screamed the whole way to the playground then like the coffee was like the coffee shop was just not laid out that it was like easily accessible with the double buggy like the twin buggy you know mm-hmm. um which like i have yeah. to say it's very hard to maneuver um and then you know there was a pair of like cyclists had put their bikes in the way so i was like <sighs> oh bloody cyclists you know like there's like but anyway the cyclists were like a nice um, couple who were just sitting having their coffee and I was like oh excuse me and they were like oh sorry we'll move our bikes to you now and then the woman said oh we'll have a double buggy soon my son's having identical twins and she was fully expecting me to go oh congratulations <laughs> and instead I went well good luck to him and I was like what a psycho like I literally was like a woman on the edge was basically like well he good luck you know and then like stormed off to the playground I'd say she was like that girl is not right but um you know it's like that thing of you're you're trying to just like keep it all together and pretend everything's fine but you know and you're like looking at the kids saying you're ruining this you're ruining on me this is supposed to be a lovely day you're supposed to be happy all your social media photos of you like with your lovely chino (laughs) and the babies and then you look in the baby buggy and they're screaming crying (laughs) snots all over their face but we do have to acknowledge that like being a mother is very hard Mm -hmm. and um feeling tired and feeling cranky is really hard but there is a difference between feeling that and feel and being diagnosed with postnatal depression 100 yeah yeah so how did you manage the second time then did you Mm. feel like there were certain kind of triggers that were happening that you understood okay this is depression or yeah i had to take some time so like because look i i i agree with medications in in a sense of you know if you need it just take it like i had tried medication the second time because i was like okay i'm gonna give in to this and you know like i i need this um but i just didn't like the way it made me feel i was very anxious and i kind of like again the control thing i like being in control of my own mind and feeling you know normal as such whereas the medication was making me thirsty and it was making me um my my words jittery and then I would get conscious of that and then I was nearly paranoid at some point so I was like you know what the best thing for me is exercise so what happened was this is how PG Lean I suppose all kind of came about but my other half Sean who is great if great dad and a great support to me um said to me look Sharon you need to you need to take an hour a day, just one hour a day for you, for yourself, which is heaven. Like, I was yeah. about to say, what a great hour. man to say know, that to you. Yeah. Full hour. And um, most women who are, you know, overwhelmed or, you know, in my position would say, 
oh, I don't have that. I don't have that time. And they would completely dismiss it. But I really needed it. So I was like, this is an escape. This is amazing. Yes, I'm going to do this. So at the time, there was a gym in Tala that had a little crash and it, and they only charged you five euros. Oh okay. my God. Oh. Where? Give me the address. I know. <laughs> it's, in t- it's a community college and it has a swimming pool and a little gym. And um, I go and I do it just an aerobics class at 11 o'clock every day. So that gave me a routine and a lot to do with, I suppose, depression and, and feeling out of control um, is is getting yourself back into a good routine. So, you know, getting up a certain time, eating certain foods, which are, you know, making you feel better and then exercise, which you know, increases your um, your endorphins um, and allows you to feel calmer. And then it was just this structure. So every single day and I was nearly obsessed, but every single day I'd go to this place and I ended up meeting lovely mums there. Great support in the, you know, just the trainers. Mm. I was there for like, I'd say about two years. I lost five stone in weight. Whoa. I know I was carrying so much weight because I was so low mm-hmm. and I ate like, you know, every cream slice that was <laughs> known to man <laughs> when I was pregnant. So I put on a lot of weight and um, I lost five stone. Now I've put on, uh, you know, stone, a couple of stone over COVID. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Who hasn't? Yeah. But, um, you know, I did lose a lot of, and I was very lean and, and fit at that time. And I just felt great. So I set, seen the magic in that. Like I always say, movement is pure medicine. And it, it was that move and the anxiety out of my body that was the medicine I didn't need, um, you know. And I'm not against, again, I just want to say that I'm not against medication, but... I just wanted to control my own feelings and, and that's the way it and worked for me. Did you do therapy or? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh God. 100% recommend uh, therapy. Like therapy should be done for everybody regardless I, I of depression. I say that all yeah. the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that's a gift. If you're going to gift yourself, uh, you know, a nice meal on the weekend with your friends or whatever, gift yourself one hour a week to speak about all of the anxieties and stresses and thoughts and anxieties that you have to a person who will wrap them up in a little box and, um, you know, hand them back to you all organized. Like, that's a gift. <laughs> yeah. That's a gift, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And um, my therapist, um, Anna, who I love, um, she when the first day I met her, I ran out. I, I actually thought she was going to like actually ring, you know, the mental home and and you know cart me off in a straitjacket or something like I had these mad vision visual visuals but she was just phenomenal and you know uh, I I I love her because I can ask questions and she can she well you know she again like it's like you know fixes you know all of all of the all of the thoughts neatly into a little box and hands it back to me yeah. so it's great and just having somebody to to listen and mm-hmm. to not you know give advice because that's not what the therapist is there for it's to listen and as you said to if you need it to to organize it and and put your thoughts out a bit maybe in a different way that you haven't seen them yourself mm-hmm. so yeah um I'm so glad that you know you you've said that you you do go to therapy because more people need to be uh, open about it like this because it's it's a normal thing to do it should be as normal as you're saying as just like treating yourself for an hour um, everyone everyone should do it it is but but at the same time I have to say like it's so brilliant and positive but for a lot of people it's not affordable yeah like, that's the other unfortunate side of it and yeah. even when you're talking about the gym that had the crash that's only a fiver mm-hmm. like why doesn't every community have that because yeah. well look we're having the conversation yeah. it needs to it needs to happen you know mm-hmm. and even like for from the, the kind of postnatal fourth trimester um stage you know your babies are given so many checkups and everything else but like for the women, 
you don't get that follow up and there's just that the resources aren't there. You're supposed to. And I'm thinking back at it in my, you know, fiance two week check when they're supposed to ask you how you're getting on and maybe check your stitches or whatever. And I think my doctor, who is not my doctor anymore, was like, she didn't ask me how I was. And I think she asked me about my stitches and I just said no, because I just wasn't in the mood. Like, And I think maybe that should have been a red flag for her. But I do remember thinking, like, why didn't she ask me how I was? And like, I'm, I'm, I was feeling OK, but, you know, as we were no, saying before. Maybe you wanted her to ask you. See, maybe you weren't fe- like you wanted. I wanted her. to be asked. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, my husband is really good as well. And family and friends, um, they were making sure that I was OK as well. But you do. I think need somebody else who's not in that world to check on you yeah. and that's and the the GP is supposed to so I really hope that there are maybe GPs listening and mothers as well who are going through those early appointments who will kind of insist on on having their voice heard in that in that space where you're where you, when you're supposed to be because mm-hmm. uh, as we were saying there's not many other chances you get but sometimes, sorry to interrupt, Sharon, but sometimes it's just inevitable that you can't get the support. Do you know what I mean? Is in, or or, or the, nobody can even give you the support that you're craving of, like the sleep. Like who's going to, you can't get someone to sleep for you or whatever. Do you know some of these things? But as, as Miriam was saying, I suppose it's when the things that can't be quote unquote fixed are still lurking in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's when you kind of need to take... But the message is that to take the time, like yeah. you have to, like it, and again, it's always the women that have to take the responsibility. Mm-hmm. Always the women, but you do have to take the responsibility for yourself, even if it's only half an hour, to sit with yourself and say, okay, well, I need half an hour to go for a walk, or I need to, I need to a half an hour sleep. Now it is really difficult to take a half an hour sleep when you're hearing the baby crying because the husband just isn't getting something right or the nappy's <laughs> off. Or whatever it is. But um, you know it can be quite anxious. But you do have to take that time. And only for Sean saying to me like, "You need this time because if you don't do it, we're going to be in serious issues here." So yeah, nothing runs if we don't look after ourselves, you know. And women's health in this country needs to be supported more. We need more women's health, like facilities you know we're we're not only having babies like you know we've seen the big scandal with obviously uh, cervical health and you know nobody talks about menopause perimenopause mm-hmm. the depression and the signs and the symptoms that come along with that like I'm coming up to 40 now like I don't know if I don't even know the signs or the symptoms I'm not educated and this is like half of our population like we need more support for women in you know for around our health and we need more education around it and the conversation shouldn't be so um you know under you know like underserved in a sense of like shame we're, sh- we're like we feel ashamed to talk about vaginas we feel ashamed to say the word menopause or depression postnatal depression these are not like shameful things these are actual things that we need to talk about so that other people are educated so that when they feel the same way we don't have tragedies and we don't have you know, under um, women, you know, with undiagnosed um, issues, you know, like we need to. Yeah, we need to just be talking about it more and, and not have any shame around it. But I think as well, like one of the most important things is honesty. And I think it's it's being honest with yourself, but also honest with others. Like, 
you know I when I met you today like we were both kind of honest about like yeah. you know even being exhausted because <laughs> yeah. it's just a fact and it's not you're not moaning and you're not not getting on with it like we both showed up today and we're both doing our jobs whatever but like we are both exhausted as well and it's okay to admit that like you know my kids aren't great sleepers it doesn't mean I'm a bad mum or I'm doing anything wrong it's just it is what it is you know and it's to try and kind of lift the veil on that whole kind of facade of pretending Mm -hmm. that motherhood is easy or that I've got it you know I've got this when you know I don't have everything and I don't pretend to because it's just too hard. It's just another thing to have to work on, do you know? Yeah, it's great that people are honest and they share because it makes you feel in a club, you know, like you're not the only one struggling or mm. suffering. And, you know, I 100% agree. More on th- authenticity, more honesty, more realism across all media, across all podcasts, across everything. And then we all can share and feel better. So, yeah, totally agree. You know something I've just thought about <clears throat> that I didn't... I didn't get it, you know, when I didn't have kids. I would always, I, my, I kind of admit now, I'd be sort of like, God. What, oh like, no, looking back, I think yeah. I was an absolute asshole. Yeah, <laughs> but I'd be thinking, you know, my friends with kids, oh my God, would they not just be able to, like, why is she cancelling the plans? We planned this eight for ages She's ago. She's always late. Yeah. She's always late. Yeah, or yeah. like. Or just what? ignore the baby when it's crying. Like, yeah. Ugh, yeah. You're the adult here. Or, or you know? even like, oh, why does the baby have to come? Like, <laughs> 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 no one else to mind it. It was like, oh. Um, now looking back, I'm just kind of shocked at myself and a bit ashamed. Um, because, like, it is it is the hardest thing we ever. We have to it's give the it a word. What is it, there's a word for that. What is it? Come on, we have to give it a word here on air. Oh, you know, like I love those German words. You know that are like, oh, yeah. like what's my like my favorite one's grief bacon. They have a word for like the eat food you eat when you've got a broken heart. It's oh, like yeah. kum- Kummelspeck or Kummelspeck <laughs> or something. Um, so yeah, we need to think of a word like that. <laughs> <laughs> for when you used to be a bit of a dick before yeah. you had a baby and then and you realise yeah. how hard it is. A baby bitch. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like we've all had that and like numerous times I've I've apologised to people, you know, like saying I just didn't get it and I'm so sorry I didn't buy you anything. I didn't buy you anything when you had a baby. Like how dare I? Because when you have a baby, you get showered with all these gifts mm. and you're nearly like... You just mort- you're mortified. Yeah, you're embarrassed. You're I mortified. Sent, yeah. I sent like cards when my friends were having babies and thinking that I was great. And if I um, and if I met them in person, I'd bring something. But that was kind of rare because I didn't meet people with babies. Like I wanted to go out and have fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then, it, like as you said, I kept on getting all these lovely presents, and I was just like. Oh, do you know what my guilt is? Like (gasps) punctuality, I'd say, has never been my strong point, but I'm really working at it as an adult because (laughs) I've, you know, finally understood that it's quite rude to not respect someone else's time. (laughs) Um, But I would arrange to like call into friends who'd had a new baby and would be then like half an hour late. And having then had my own baby, I was like, oh my God, like you're trying to negotiate naps, you're trying yeah. to do feeds, you're trying to do that. So if somebody says they're calling in at 10 and they don't show up at 10, oh, that yes. can throw your whole day off. Yes. Yes. So that's my ultimate guilt. Of my and it's always like the swan. single people that oh, knock completely. at the door at half yeah. nine at night and you are exhausted, <laughs> exhausted. You've battered the baby, the babe boys are washed, they're just gone to sleep. And you're literally, you know that, that burn in your legs and the soles of your feet and you sit down and you're just sink into the couch. Yeah. And then the doorbell rings. The doorbell. Not even a tap oh, no, on the thank, window. Thank the doorbell. Sure it's only half nine. Oh. It's early. 
like, I can't deal with this right now. Oh. I get into bed at half nine now. Like that's no, kind of my, and like, it's so sad. No, it's not. Like I get into Sleep bed and if, if my husband's getting into bed at the same time as me, we literally lie beside each other on our, fa- separately on our phones, the earphones on and watch stuff. Yeah. Like, Listen, and it's heaven. And we actually turn the light off and it's like, you're in the cinema, but you're not. Um, you're asleep at half that nine. That sounds quite nice. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's that's the sad thing. I'm like, it's, it's divine. Well, have you noticed over COVID as well? Like, I know we came in here today and we're all done up and we all put makeup on today. So, you know, like we feel Part great about ourselves. Yeah. But over COVID, I've kind of, I'm, I'm a little bit lazier now and I'm a little bit more selective with actually what I do and mm. what where I go and who I spend time with. But I'm also very appreciative of my little family now. And mm. I actually... We don't kill each other anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like we actually like being around each other. It's great. So how did you kind of, you were obviously committed to exercising and that really helped you and your therapy is ongoing. But um, I suppose, how did you kind of get yourself out of it? Or is there such a thing? As like getting out, the out, depression. out of the depression? Yeah. It kind of worked itself out. So, you know, like, oh, look, and the doctor will always say this to me with time you get more sleep, you get into a routine, you know, you wean yourself off medication or, you know, in my case, it was weaning myself off exercise because I got obsessed, you know, like it was every day. And again, it was the control issue, like I had to do it every day. And if I didn't do it, oh, I wasn't going to feel great and whatever. So I had to wean myself off that as well, like realizing that, you know, it's not exercise, it's just a routine. And I'm the baby's sleeping now and I'm getting my sleep and everything else. So it does all work itself out. There are, unfortunately, women have chronic, and chronic with chronic depression, but mostly postnatal depression, it does actually fa- not fade. I would say fade away, but it does fade away yeah, after a certain yeah, period. Yeah. So I started to feel better. God, this is uh, emotional, but I started to feel better in November of two thousand. So Bobby was born in October, um, of two thousand eighteen, and I started to feel better of November two thousand and nineteen. And then we had an amazing Christmas in my house amazing family event like you know it was brilliant great Christmas I was just back to myself and then COVID happened in 2020 and I lost we lost uh, you know my brother he was only 35 in March so I'd gone from this kind of you know elation of feeling great and everything's great again and then this whole of like COVID and unaware of what was about to hit us and here we are still talking about COVID numbers two years later but we were only um in lockdown a week and we got that phone call that no one wants to get and um yeah it was really really sad really 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 difficult time because we weren't allowed like we were all so restricted we weren't allowed to be together mm. we weren't allowed you know no one was allowed to call to your door there was no hugs there was no funeral he was very, like so, so young and like it was just it was the most horrendous mm. uh situation that any family and there's thousands of families that had to deal with it um so yeah so it went kind of it's like a roller coaster you know up down and up and then down to the darkness like no one wants to deal with a, a sibling death of a sibling but um yeah so it's t- tough out times and like all of that while building a business like and I and you know I talk about control and burying my head and things like I buried my head into peachy lean and that was a source of relief in, in a way you know and building something that was supporting others was nearly soothing myself um and you know I talk about spandex and nylon and yes we are support wear shapewear product but you know we create content like you guys and we we try and support women on their inner voice and their critic and their 
and their confidence. And it all stems from, you know, knowing that voice and knowing how that feels and really just trying to offer that support to others. And that has helped me through the darkest, darkest days. And I promised my brother like the day, the last day I met him, um, it was the 23rd of um, March and it was my father's 60th birthday and he's in my car. And I remember saying to him, like, I if you pull yourself out of this, like and you help yourself, like I promise you, like we will tell your story and we will change the lives of thousands of people all over the world. And I made him that promise. And I promise you, girls, my, for the rest of my days, whether it's PG Lean or something else that I do, I will I vow, I will vow like my whole life to, to help them people that struggle with that inner critic and that inner voice and that inner bully because that's amazing. Yeah, because it can get so overwhelming. And the inner voice that you're talking about, like how have you overcome your own inner voice? Because being a woman in business is incredibly difficult anyway. Um, but being a mother and having your own business and just even being self-employed, like how how do you kind of fight that inner voice when she's telling you to, you're not good enough or you're an imposter or, you know. Yeah, and look, you do fight her on days, but I was saying to you earlier, you kind of, you try to make friends with her because she really is there to protect you, you know? Like it's when you feel fear or when you're in a big time of growth or change in life that she pipes up and she's really loud and she's trying to tell you you're not good enough and you can't do that. You don't like look like them and you you're not articulate. You're from Tally. You're working class. You can't do that. And, um, you know, they, that that's the voice. And she tells me all the time that I can't. And there's Monday, a lot of Mondays. She, she pipes up all the time on a Monday. <laughs> But it's about um, accepting that she is trying to protect us and that she is trying to be your best friend by holding you back so that you're not you're not um, hurt or rejected or, you know, you make a mistake or you fail. So what you do is you just really tell her, thank you. I get it. I understand where you're coming from, (laughs) but I'm going to push through. And if I fail, I fail. But if I fly, I fly. And that's (laughs) it. Yeah. Yeah. They are words to remember. (laughs) Well, Sharon, your resilience is really inspiring and your story is really inspiring. And we're so happy that you came in and chatted to us today. And I'm sure you're going to help a lot more people in the future. Such a pleasure, girls. I love you. I really honestly share all your content. I adore what you do. So thank you so much for having me. Well, the feeling's mutual. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs)